It's noon on a Wednesday. That can only mean one thing. It is time for our live time together. Now, before we dive in today, I need to tell you, I'm having one of those days. You know the kind of day that I'm talking about, right? Where everybody is bothering you, everything is getting to you, and you kind of want to like, you know, punch a random stranger in the kidney or, or liver. I understand. You know, I, I definitely am having one of those days. It's a rough one, guys. It's a rough one. Um, so what am I doing? I went this morning, danced it out, went with my BFF, was able to like get some laughs going to feel a little bit better. But, you know, it made me think like, what do I want to talk about today? You know how you just reached the limit of your life? You reached a limit of like bullshit, Okay. Hopefully you can hear me. Let me know if you can't say hello when you're here, please. When you come in, say hello. So I'm not talking to myself. <laughs> it's already been a weird enough day. Okay. I'd like to be able to have some interaction. So I got me thinking about how to protect yourself from a toxic person. Now, you know, around here, dysfunction junction, we are all about codependency recovery, toxic relationship recovery. It may or may not include addiction in your family dynamic. Maybe not. But what we want to give you is the tools and tips and strategies that you need to navigate these difficult relationships in your life so that you can take your power back from the power sucks and the power leaks. And hey, Dave, nice to see you, hon. To take your power back from the things that are robbing you of it so that you can be rooted in your value, not get knocked around off your axis anymore. And ultimately, what is what does that mean? Well, number one, obviously, you get to have the relationships that you deserve. But I have to tell you, that's just the beginning. You know, once you take your power back, it, it extends all areas of your life. And that's the really cool news. You become the captain of your own ship. Now, I remember before I learned these tools, I was more like a loose cannon than a captain of my ship. I definitely was like a ticking time bomb. I was used to, as a recovering people pleaser, I was like a pretender, like, I'm fine all the time. Hey, Wendy. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then all of a sudden, I was like Jekyll or Hyde. This other personality, the Kraken would awaken. I'd be like, you know, and just be this other person. And I was like, well, who am I? Am I sweet and soft and kind or am I ratchet from, you know, wh wh <laughs> who am I and how do I reach a balance in my life and an equilibrium? Well, it turned out, you know, all that blowing up and all that craziness was the result of all that people pleasing and sucking it up. So if you're with somebody and you're around somebody who's mean or, or selfish or hurtful to you or is using you or, you know, is making your life harder than it needs to be. They disrespect you or devalue you. You know, that leaves a mark and you can suck it up and eat the shit for so long. I swear on this channel. So if you're not down with that, you need to know. You can only eat it so much until you go, you know, you get so good at it. You're like learning how to eat the poo-poo and act like it doesn't bother you. Oh, it's delicious. I'll have some more, two scoops. <laughs> and you, there's like a prize for eating shit. And there's not, there's no prize for that. So what we want to learn is, you know, you're allowed to leave things that don't serve you anymore. You're allowed to say, no, thank you. I don't want that. There's no prize for ride or die. There's no prize for sticking it out. Loyalty, you know, um, needs to be reframed from outside of ourselves to being loyal to ourselves, right? And what you need and what's important to you. So I remember before I knew how to appropriately express my frustration 
and share and speak my truth and do it in a way that would retain my power. Um, I remember this one time I was, I used to travel a lot for a living and like twice, you know, four times a week, I'd be on an airplane when I used to be a, just a business consultant back in the day. And I would travel and I was like a people pleaser and an overachiever. So like, if they asked me, Hey, Heidi, do you want to go to Dallas on Tuesday and then be in Ohio on Thursday? I'm like, you bet. I would love to. And I would continually, this is a problem we have when we're codependent, right? I would continually sacrifice myself because I thought that I would climb the ladder high enough and everybody would see my values. Like, oh my God, Heidi's so amazing. She's on airplanes until two in the morning and working by 6 a.m. Wow. You know, that's what I thought would happen. It was one time I'd be traveling and traveling, traveling, delay after delay after delay. And I was traveling back to uh, Baltimore International Airport. And I was living in a city like four, an hour and 45 minutes from Baltimore. And so it was like super late. It was like two or three o'clock in the morning. And the and the parking at the Baltimore airport is like A lot and B lot for long-term parking. And I was so freaking exhausted and just ready to go home. And I was still in my suit for the day. And I'm waiting. I'm, it's like kind of cold outside. It's like, you know, fall. And I'm waiting with these giant travel bags. And finally, the B bus comes. And I'm like, oh, thank God, you know. And I'm just, at this point, I'm just pissed off. You know what I mean? So I'm taking the bags. And I'm cram jamming them in the thing. And I'm just trying to get, get through. And, and like, you know, the bus is packed. It's packed because the delays had been happening, I guess, everywhere. I'm like, thank God. It's only like a 10 minute ride to the B lot. We're cool. So I sit down in my seat and I'm like, oh, thank God. And I look around and there must've been a plane from like the Bahamas or some shit. There must've been like a Mexico unload. Everybody's there. You know, it's like the love boat when everybody gets off, they all have pinatas. And I'm just sitting there in my pinstripe double breasted suit, you know, my man suit and my pumps. And I'm just like, and then the bus driver's like, folks, we'll be at the A lot. Very soon. And I was like, A lot. I was like, oh, no, no. And I sit up from my seat and I walk to the front of the bus and people were like looking at me and I put my hand on the bus driver's back, like just, just straight up snatched him, snatched his back. And I was like, hey, buddy. I was like, uh, what's it say on the front of your bus there? Huh? He goes, yeah, it says the B lot. I said, yeah, then why the fuck are we going to the A? Like that. My dogs are outside. And he was like, he, he was just like looking at me. He was like, well, it's kind of crowded and we're trying to help people. And I was like, I don't care about that. I want to go to my, and I'm just like getting hot. And all of a sudden I can hear this like whispering from the back. And there's a guy like going, Jay Wes, he's making all kind of noise. And now I'm getting hot. So I look back at this guy and he's like looking at me and I was swearing and you could hear it on the bus. Right. And he was like, he had like a, like a, vacation sombrero hat, okay, which was poking people around him anyway. He shouldn't have been wearing it on the bus in the first place. He had some kind of like button down Hawaiian shirt and some kind of mismatched stupid pants and his like loafer shoes. And he's sitting there and he's like, he's like, well, <laughs> calm down. I mean, you'll get there when you get there. <laughs> and I, I was like, listen up, buddy. I was like, I, 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 I just looked at him and guys, it was, it was not my finest moment. I was just like, you know what? shut the fuck up. I was, I was so hot that I had exploded and everybody on the bus is like shielding their kids ears and, 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 and look and like holding their kids. Like I'm going to hurt them. And because I was in the stance in my suit and my stilettos standing over him and he goes, Oh wow. He was like, you're a real lady. 
and I, I looked at him and I said, I leaned in really close and I go, listen up, vacation Bob. I am a lady. I'm a business lady. Why don't you save that other shit for your wife? And I sat back down in the whole bus. And I thought to myself, as I got back in my car and I was taking off and driving back home, I thought, what is wrong with me? Why can't I hold it together on a bus? And why does that bother me so much? Why am I so triggered up by these events where it's like poor Vicky, poor Bob, he's just trying to get on a bus, get back to where he's going. And here I am flipping out on him, creating scared kids situations on the bus. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? Why am I like this? Because 90% of my time in my life, I'm like happy and kind and loving and wonderful. And then all of a sudden I'm the Kraken and, and it's like scary to be around me. I don't want to be that person. What is that? And what I realized was, hi, Lynn, what I realized was it was all of the repressing that I was doing in my daily life, eating other people's stuff, right? And stuffing it down like that doesn't bother me at all. No, I'm fine. No, that's perfect. Never let them see you sweat. Suck it up. Put your big girl pants on. And I had done so much of that, that that ticking time bomb would just explode on innocent Bahamas people, vacationers on the bus at the Baltimore International Airport. And I thought, you know what? Something's got to give. That's reactive. When you're triggered up all the time and you're on edge and the waiter can bring a wrong cup or something can happen at the grocery store or the line, you're at the, you're at the grocery store and the th thing runs out of paper and you're like, fuck, you know, that's an appropriate response. That is not an appropriate response to what is happening. My response on the bus, like threatening the bus driver, is not appropriate to the offense. So that means I'm triggered. And I have to take a look at, instead of being reactive, like a raw nerve waiting for somebody to rub me the wrong way, I'm going to roundhouse, I'm going to roundhouse kick punch a random in, this, in the liver, okay? Why don't I start to stop being reactive and be proactive? Why don't I look at some of the things in my life? Hey, Kathy, hi. Why don't I look at some of the things in my life and say, what is causing me to feel like a raw nerve? survey the land. Well, for me, it was saying yes when I really wanted to say no. Can I be in Pittsburgh? <laughs> and, and I'm in California tomorrow. Sure. <laughs> no, I can't. I don't want to. I don't want to be in Pittsburgh. I don't even like, I don't even want to go. Okay. So, but I was, I could not say no. Why? I was afraid that if I said no, then my value would decrease. I thought my value was directly dependent upon how much somebody could count on me, how much I could deliver to them, how much I would be available to them. And again, never mind, these weren't mutually beneficial reciprocal dynamics. These were one-sided relationships where I was doing all the giving and somebody else was doing all the taking, and that makes a ticking time bomb. So, you know, you need this today. If you can relate, you're in a, you're in a, somebody's chewing in your ear at the movie theater. They got that popcorn rocking. You're all snuggled in. It's like the good theater with the, with the reclining seats and the pot and you're, and somebody's like talking, they're like, <laughs> and you, you're like, and the helicopter's going to come because it's a murder scene, right? You're like, okay, we need this training today. We need to know how to, <laughs> Kathy said, I feel like this may have started as dear Kathy. Yes. This is like, um, <laughs> 
yeah, this is for you only, right? It's for all of us. And Lynn said facts. Yes. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, we need to know how to be proactive and, and deal with the people that are overstepping our boundaries, you know, triggering us up on a normal, on an everyday basis. And so I just want to help you today. How do you prepare yourself for uh, toxic people? How do you protect yourself from it? Not how do you defend yourself from it? Do you see the difference there? When you're in defense mode, it's already too late. We are in preparation mode. We are in the preparing for what we know is coming. Because when you're with a toxic person, what happens is we expect them to behave outside of their character. Okay. So we expect them to be nice. Like we have this toxic, rude, terrible, selfish, mean, ignorant, idiotic, jerko of a person. And we're like, they better be nice. <laughs> they better be nice. They better, they better not hurt my feelings today. They better say the right thing. They better get their shit together, honey. <laughs> huh? No, a dog barks. Okay. A turkey doesn't meow. A toxic, mean, rude person is not going to be nice to you today. So instead of like having them be mean, you go, <gasps> you know, how could they? You go to be expected, ha ha ha, jerko. And you know, it's common and you bat, you prepare. So we're going to talk about the hurricane analogy today. I love this analogy. Now I live in Florida and Florida, you live in hurricane, you're in the hurricane place. It's just is what it is. Okay. So hurricanes are coming and that's that. Now they don't always come every year, but every single year there is a possibility that it's coming and we need to be prepared. It is a royal giant, gigantical, okay, pain in the arse. It's not fun. Nobody likes it, especially when your office is in the outside room. Show you around here. Okay. This is my office with tons of windows. That made you seasick. And I have to actually take my office out of this room as hurricane prep and put it in the and put it in the library. I have to take, I sound like such a jerk for me. I have to take my office and put it in the library. <laughs> that doesn't, you know, but it's true. I have to take this and put it in. My husband, God love him, gets on the 47 foot ladder and he crawls up and he does the shutters and he's got the thing on his head, the light, and he's like hanging it, sweats dripping. And he, I'm like scared he's going to kill it, hurt and fall off the ladder. And we get that stupid food and we go and we go get all the supplies. And now that's even an issue again. Okay. And it sucks. And then we wait. And then what happens? Sometimes the hurricane comes and you're like, oh, thank God I put the shutter doors up. And other times it doesn't come and you're like, God damn it. <laughs> I wish it's almost like you're wishing the hurricane would have come. So you, you could justify all the work you did in the wind, you know, putting it up. Here's the deal. I don't get to not prepare. And then my house gets sucked away or washed away or damaged or a tree falls on it. And I'm not prepared. And I didn't do the thing I need to do. And then I go, Oh my God, how could this happen? Um, but that's what we do whenever we live with a toxic person. The hurricane comes into town, it blows around, it knocks shit everywhere. It steals your peace, it steals your joy, it robs your roof off your head, which is your brain. It takes everything. And then you go, how could that happen? Well, hurricane's a hurricane. So how do you batten down your hatches? What, this is your house, this is your house. This is all you have, this is your house, okay? And you have your, your emotional 
boundaries, your psychological boundaries, your spiritual boundaries, your financial, hello, <laughs> boundaries around toxicity and dysfunction. Now, look, this could be a narcissist in your life. This could be just an abusive person in your life. This could be a boss in your life that constantly takes advantage of you. This could be uh, an addicted person in your life, a spouse, a child. It could be any dynamic at all. And I can hear you right now. Oh, that's so easy to say, Heidi. I'm going to set a boundary. I'll get fired. And, and why is it that you want to stay in a situation where you have to constantly protect yourself from hurricanes? Now, for me, I like living in Florida. We got, you know, four or five beaches within a couple of miles, which we never go to, which is so stupid because I prayed my whole life to live at the beach and now we do and we never go. Dumb as hell. I'm going to start going, said every person ever. But, you know, I could, I could, I, I I, I, for me, it's a payoff. I like living in Florida. I like the weather. I enjoy it in January. It's really beautiful. So to me, it's worth living in hurricane season. But I'm going to tell you something. If I hated Florida, if I was always hot and sweaty and didn't love it, do you think for five seconds I'd stay? Never in a million years. And that goes for a job, a relationship, or any other thing that's robbing me of my peace because I didn't like who I was when I was constantly putting up with things that I didn't want in my life anymore, thinking if I just hung on long enough, it would change or I would get a prize. Can I get an amen? Jo hey, Jody, 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 after 10 years of sobriety, Let's see. After 10 years of sobriety, I was still miserable until I started digging into this. My problem wasn't alcohol. It was codependency. Yeah. Genuine life recovery. Jody, we should connect and you can hear, I can hear more about the program that you do. Um, and we should, you know, collaborate and, and help people. I'm glad that you're here. I think that that's true for a lot of people that are codependent. Okay. Here's the deal. I, when I, in my um, drinking, my binge drinking, you know, that, that uh, I, I don't call it alcoholism. Okay. I could say, oh yeah, when I was an alcoholic, <laughs> but that title, that label has never, ever resonated with me a day in my life ever. Um, and not because I didn't know I had a problem. It was very clear. It was a problem. I would, you know, wake up and not know where I was <laughs> or who's that sometimes if we're being honest. Okay. It would be a very scary time. I put myself in very dangerous situations. I drink so much wine that I just didn't know. I'd look at my phone. I'd be like, okay, who did I text? What did I say? You know? Um, but I was medicating that codependence because I wanted to check out from what is codependence? People pleasing, taking on more than you want to do, not having any boundaries, controlling, feeling like you're the only person that can do anything. So you're constantly trying to like be in control of everything, your emotions, other people's emotions. I know somebody on this live right now can relate to that. Trying to be like the feelings police in your house and tell everybody how to think, feel and behave. If you're a withholder, that's also a codependent. If you don't show your emotion, you keep it locked in until you become that ticking time bomb. If you're a perfectionist, if you're a performer, you feel like you're always on all the time. Actually, there are eight different personality patterns that I've um, come up with. I call those attachment personality patterns. It's in my brand new book over at lovecoachheidi.com. You can download that for free right now and start to understand your unique codependency programming so that you can learn how to protect yourself from toxic people. Because let's be real, the only reason, and I love you, I'm going to tell you this right now. The only reason that you are here in a relationship with a toxic or dysfunctional person still 
is because you're codependent. You have codependent traits. Now, is that a bad thing? No, it's not in the DSM. Oh, diagnose you. It's not. A codependency, all codependency is, is a way to function in other people's dysfunction. All right? It's a way to function in dysfunction. It's a personality you take on to cope with all that stuff going on around so that you can survive, thrive, connect, right, in that dynamic. So we have to undo that programming so that you can really find your authentic self and not feel scared shitless to tell somebody, not today, Satan. No, honey, I'm not going to sign up for that today. And still retain your crown, still be rooted in your value, not like a princess crown, but honey, a queen, okay? A princess is waiting to be rescued. A queen rules her own land. We're not princesses around here. We're queens, okay? And not a queen like I'm so much better than everybody and bow down to me, but a queen, but I'm a ruler. I'm a warrior, and I know what I need to do to protect myself and my family, and that comes before anything else, not protecting your feelings over mine anymore. You understand? It's big, big, right? Kathy said codependent table for one. Wendy said, amen. Lynn said, amen. I love it. Wendy, so good to see you. Yeah, right? So we need to learn how to batten down those hatches. Now, what are the steps? How do you do this? Well, the first thing is you have to become aware of where your power sucks are, where the leaks are, where's the toxicity, where is the dis-ease in your relationships and in your dynamics? And I want you to start thinking about that. I'm going to guarantee it's permeating. Some of you might be saying, Heidi, easy to say, I could quit the job. Okay, where am I going to go? The only time you're ever stuck is when you forget that the only thing you have working for you is the power of choice. All right. There is no reason to feel stuck unless you're forgetting that you always have the power of choice. God gave you free will. And as long as you're breathing, living, and walking, you still possess that free will, no matter who has tried to beat it out of you, shout it out of you, or snuff it out of you. You have choices, always. Might not like the choice, might not like what you have to do to make the choice, might not like the feelings you're going to have when it goes to the choice, but the choice is the only thing you have. All right? So you can decide. You can decide that you're going to leave it. Now you say, okay, Heidi, what if it's my mom? What if it's a parent? What if it's my child? Well, I know society tells us we need to tolerate other people's toxicity if we were born into it, but that's not true either. You're allowed just because you were born into this dynamic doesn't mean you need to continually sign up. Now, in our programs, we have step-by-step -step processes to learn exactly what I'm telling you. Oh, Heidi, here you go talking about your program again. You're going to get me to try to join your program. Yes, honey, I am. Yes, the hell I am. Because... This is wonderful. This awareness is the first step. All right. But I'm going to tell you, walk in the walk is a spiritual practice. When we come alongside of you and take the steps together and say, okay, let's untether. Let's get at the root of your codependency issues. That's the first thing we do is figure out your unique codependency patterning, how it shows up for you. And then we systematically remove it. Now I'm going to ask you to do things that are hard. I'm going to tell you, you're going to be like, oh shit. But guess what? You've got to want change more than you want like misery as your compass, right? Like pain shouldn't be the barometer. Like the question for you shouldn't be, well, how much more shit can I take? Because that's what I know you're good at. You are a black belt in taking stuff and getting knocked back up, getting knocked down, getting knocked back up. You're a champion of that, okay? The question for you isn't how bad does, can you stand it? It's actually how good can you let it get? Think about that. 
it's not how much can how much bad can you survive and overcome it's how good will you let your life be now that's the real root of codependence is that worthiness is that enoughness is that like what if my life gets too good do i deserve that will i sabotage it yes if you don't have the tools that you need you know, the codependency dictates how much money you'll let into your life, how much love you'll let into your life, how much fun, how much freedom, all those things are dictated by that. So I just want to encourage you, if that's you, you are ready to start walking this path with me to your own codependency recovery. I, I would be honored to come alongside of you. Some of my clients are here and sharing as well. And it, it is just, it is such a blessing. Okay, um, to to be able to come alongside of you on this road and 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 support you. Let's see some more of your comments here. If you're interested in it, please go over to lovecoachheidi.com, schedule a complimentary consultation. I'll get on the phone with you and answer questions. Um, I can so relate to this. For the longest time, I did not believe I was allowed to say no. Hence, all the passive aggressive behavior in traffic. The thing is, I had stuffed my emotions since I was a baby. Yes, my love, absolutely. I know for me, I was born. Um, highly sensitive HSP. If you don't know about that, Dr. Elaine Aaron um, does a diagnostic for highly sensitive people. And I just, the wind would blow the wrong way and I'd get emotional about it, you know, and I didn't need to get in trouble. I could just be looked at and I would feel the disappointment and it would really kill me. So, but I actually um, suffered a lot when I was a child, a lot of trauma, a lot of physical violence, a lot of mental and verbal and emotional and psychological abuse on a regular basis. And when I would cry at first, um, uh, you know, I would be told like gaslit, like, what the fuck are you crying about? I didn't hurt you. You don't need to cry. You're, you're too sensitive. Suck it up. I would literally be told that over and over again that I was too sensitive. And I remember one time I was laying across the bed. I was probably like 11 years old. I was laying, now trigger warning, okay? I was laying across the bed for physical violence. I was laying across the bed and I was being beaten with the belt. And it was hurting pretty badly. It was a big, thick belt and I was being beaten. And I, and actually at that moment with my face down, I was crying like I'd always done. And I used to rage in my room behind closed doors and cry and just be so hurt. But I remember that particular time when I was getting beaten that I decided I wasn't gonna cry. In that moment, from that 11-year-old brain, I said, "No, I will not. You will not get my tears today." And uh, I and I know that that was like evident to the person that was hitting me. And so there was hit harder, harder hitting, harder hitting. You're not going to cry. I'll make you cry. We'll see. And the welts were coming, and it was really bad. But I just remember that day. I equated when I cry and show emotion, you win. So you will not crack me. I will not cry today. And I ever and ever since that moment, when I was like 10 or 11 years old, I did not show emotion. So when somebody would hurt me, I would get angry. I would fight. I, I would go into fight mode or shut down mode or just pretend like put a smile on my face and pretend like it didn't bother me. So my recovery from codependence was a walk back home to my sensitivity. I didn't know how to let it out. It would come out at the weirdest times. Like I would be sitting in a business meeting in a powerful business meeting where I was leading some of that business meeting and somebody would say something critical, man. And I would just start to like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. You know, start to feel like, oh my God, my emotions would come up at inopportune times. I used to get mad at myself when I would cry. I would get like just like disdain for myself. Like, how dare you? Like want to slap your own face and be like, suck it up. You know, I had to walk back home to my sensitivity and learn how to embrace it. And 
and and show it to the world. So uh, when he says, I get what you're saying, I can play the game and take it into consideration that it's not about me, but I see at the end of the day, I have internalized my anger and frustration and lack of forgiveness for others. So I'm really not free. Yeah. You know, and I, this is like a, a thing that a lot of people are going to disagree with me on. And look, I, you know, I, I, I love this um, philosophy. I think it's great of forgiveness. And I've heard other teachers that I've, you know, been a student of say, you know, you've got to forgive forgiveness is everything, but I just don't subscribe to that notion. I think forgiveness is a scary thing to tell a trauma survivor that you need to forgive the people who traumatized and hurt you. If you decide to do that, then good on you, but I'm going to leave it to the Lord. For me, I want to have understanding and I want to put it in perspective. I want to have an immense understanding of what happened. Why did that happen? What did happen? You know, and, and what was behind all of that? So if I can have an understanding and acceptance of what happened, and maybe even later down the road, hopefully maybe some kind of like compassion, if that's if that's a part of it. If it's not, that's okay too. But I don't think we need to tell trauma survivors and victims of abuse that we need to forgive. You know, you don't. You need to understand it. You need to make sense of it. Like Carl Jung said, the best gift you can give somebody is to help them make sense of their childhood, make sense of their past so that they can um, move on move past it, but you don't need forgiveness to move past something. You can leave that to God, but if you can make sense of it, you can move on. If you can accept it, you can move on. Okay. All right. Um, stop feeling that way. So, so you do, or you try not to. Exactly. When people are telling you, you know, um, don't, you're not, they're gaslighting you out of your own feelings, thoughts, and emotions. That's what happens when you're with a toxic person later down the road, right? Because you, I have asked other people around toxic people that are kind of like, haven't grown up in that environment. Like, is that normal? Like, do you see that? Is that abusive? Like, is that weird? I've actually done that when I've been in relationships early in my life. Like I've been around the toxic people in my life. I'm like, do you see what I see? Like, is this fucked up to you? <laughs> because it's almost like what's normal. You know, there's this whole uh, group on TikTok that I love, like, like, uh, other dysfunctional kid, you know, adults that grew up that way are like, oh, is this normal to you? You know, did you light cigarettes off the stove for your parents and puff on it and light it with your face to the burner until the cigarette would light and then you puff on it and take it to your your parent? You know, did you, I mean, just some of the things that we used to do, like that aren't so traumatic, but definitely not kind of firing on all cylinders. But again, you know, I, I think it's really important whenever that you find your tribe of people. You know, one of the reasons that, that I created Life School, which is our program, is because I was such a lone ranger for so many years. Like I, that, I'll suck it up. I'll do it myself. I didn't trust a lot of people. I had severe trust issues. So I didn't want people to come alongside of me. And so, and I felt alone. I felt like other people, I'm very different than other people, you know, and trauma will do that. Dysfunction will do that. Especially even if you have it now and you never had it growing up, you had like perfect life, you know, and now you're in this, you can feel very alone, but it's such a relief when you're around other people who can like share in the same experiences, laugh sometimes when it's appropriate to do that or hold the space while we have our feelings around things. But more important than that, it's giving you the tools. It's telling you exactly how to handle that. I can't tell you how many clients will text me things and I'll be like, say this. And they'll be like, what? I'm like, say that. You gotta trust me. You gotta trust the process, right? It's gonna be, it's gonna be great. But sometimes we just, 
we get gaslit of, of our own intuition. Is this normal? Is this right? Am I am I allowed to be mad here? You know, should I tolerate this? Like, what should I? You know, we just lose it. We just don't know. That's what I'm here for. That's what I live for is to be able to help you in that arena. So hopefully this has been helpful for you today. Uh, if you want to deep dive with me and you want me to come alongside of you in one of our uh, programs, man, that'd be a dream come true to come alongside of you. Go over to lovecoachheidi.com, fill out um, our little questionnaire, schedule an appointment, or if you're interested in mentorship. The other thing that I do is train coaches and therapists who are called to do this work. So if you are a coach, if you are a teacher, a healer, a speaker, you have a story to tell, you've overcome your own trauma, I have a year-long one-on-one mentorship where I come alongside of you and I certify you in all of these codependency modalities. I give you all my processes, like the Wizard of Oz. You come behind the curtain, I give you all the tools and techniques, all of the processes to use with your clients, a, 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 a whole three-month program that you can walk your clients through. It is literally like, your, here's the business, you bring your stories, your experiences, your dynamic, and we find your magic and we explode your business. We help take your coaching pro program to the next level. So now I know that sounds fun, right? If you're, I know that for me, that's so much fun. If you're interested in that, go over to Love Coach Heidi and send me a message. All right. Love you. Have the best day ever. And I have to tell you, I came on here feeling like I wanted to punch a random in the liver. I told you that earlier, but you know what I feel like now after hanging out with you, I feel so much better. Don't you? I feel so much better hanging out with you guys and communing with you and serving you and talking with you and having our similar experiences reflected with each other. There's power in community. There's power in community. You know, let's go. Let's do this, right? Love you so much. Take excellent care. Have a great day. Um, next Wednesday, I have a mammogram. Lord knows. Wednesday at 11.30, so I'll be on right after that. Okay, I don't know how long that's going to take, but we'll we'll see how it goes. Okay, love you. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm trying to see how to end my live stream. <laughs> bye, bye, like my daughter says, bye.